You're listening to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. Hosted by Rev Yearwood, Mustafa Santiago Ali, and me, Antonique Smith. Each week, we host important conversations with innovators, policymakers, cultural influencers, and movement leaders who are leading the way to a 100% clean energy and just world. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You have just tuned in to Hip Hop Caucus. Think 100% the coolest show on climate change. I'm going to say that one more time. The coolest show on climate change. <laughs> I am Rev Ewood, President and CEO of the Hip Hop Caucus. And on the line, we have the amazing Anthony Smith. Are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? Man, we can hear you loud and clear. Tell folks who you are, Anthony. I am a Grammy-nominated singer and a film, TV, and Broadway actress and an activist, also known as an artist. And I'm so happy to be a co-host of Think 100%, which is truly, indeed, the coolest show on climate change. Wait a minute. She has with the trifecta. Okay. Hey. Right. I like that. I like that. And I am Mustafa Santiago Ali, Senior Vice President of the Hip Hop Caucus. Welcome to our radio show and podcast that delivers real talk on climate change and environmental justice. No sides, just the facts and stronger communities. We want to start off this show by thanking always WPFW, our Pacifica family, for hosting us here in the studio. Um, and it's a big thank you for all of our listeners who tune in each week. We love you all. Yes, most definitely. Definitely. And you can check us out on the show's blog at think100.info. And be sure to follow us online at Think 100 Show. Let me say that again because I know we have a couple new folks who are checking us out. Definitely go to think100.info. And then you can also follow us online at Think 100 Show. Well, Antonique and Mustafa, I'm a, I'm a little, I'm a little melancholy. I'm, a, I'm, I'm still pumped up. Um, you know what I mean? I'm still pumped up. So I actually, I want to hear for you, Antonique, but I do want to let folks know that we are doing a, this is going to be a special show regarding Hurricane Florence. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I really want to make sure that people, um, know about this show and that they also, they call in, uh, the phone number to call in is 202-588-0893. That's 202-588-0893. We're going to be discussing Hurricane Florence. We're discussing environmental justice, climate justice. We're discussing, I mean, we're going to discuss manure. We're going to be discussing, um, a lot of things that you may or may not connect with. Um, climate change or the environment, but they're definitely going on. But one of the things that we want to start to show up with is definitely holding up all those, um, who have, who have lost their lives, um, because of Hurricane Florence. And so we definitely want to just make sure in this and for those who are still struggling, but we're going to get into that. So let me just say this, that, you know, last week, speaking of climate, we, you know, we were engaged, um, with the global climate action summit. And our village. So maybe, Aunt, maybe you can kind of give a breakdown on that for the people. Yes. Oh, you guys, it was super popping in San Francisco last week. We were there hosting a week long side event to the Global Climate Action Summit. And as a reminder, this was 
Governor Jerry Brown Summit that brought together leaders from around the world to, quote-unquote, take climate ambition to the next level. Okay. This was a big, big, big week for our movement. And so while the summit was taking place, you, you know, there were a number of affiliate events happening around town. We hosted four days worth of events at our venue, appropriately called Our Village, because, you know, it does take a village. It's like raising children. It, it absolutely is going to take that village to most definitely. You know, win this war. You know, so we, we, we had the largest community convening during the entire Global Climate Action Summit. It was so amazing. We had over 50 indigenous leaders from around the world with us. We had over 50 leaders from communities of color from across the United States with us. We had thousands of friends from across the climate movement join us throughout the week. We had performances, I sang. We had film screenings, live art, virtual reality, which is crazy, and more. It was an incredible, y'all, it was incredible. It was an incredible event focused on highlighting diverse voices because, you know, there were definitely voices being highlighted throughout the entire summit. That's right. We were highlighting diverse voices and innovative actions that will allow us to win on climate change. And guess what? All three of us were a part of one of the, I would like to say, the coolest events of all. And I actually have heard from many people that our event was the coolest thing they saw all week. We did a Think 100%. (laughs) It was. It was cool. We did a Think 100% show live in front of a live audience, and it was amazing. We It literally changed the game, and both people are still talking about it. We completely shut it down, and we had some good parties, too. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed doing all the versions of the electric slide with everybody. <laughs> we had a solar train line. We really turned up, and it honestly was the first time I was able to do that with, with my fellow movement, you know, with my fellow fighters. I've never, you know, had that kind of fun um, usually after events in the school. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Everybody always feeds you after stuff, you know, maybe maybe some alcohol. But to actually, like, really turn up like that, it was amazing. And San Francisco will never be the same again. <laughs> I know that's right. Y'all got to check out Antonique doing the electric slide. It's on a whole nother level. I think if you go to, if you go to actually, uh, Mustafa, what's your Twitter thing, Mustafa? It's at EJ in action. If you go there. You put, you put a video up? What? Yeah, if you go to Mustafa's Twitter handle and you check it out, oh EJ, my EJ God. in action, and you'll, you can, he, 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 he was there filming. So, you know, you can't that. That is hilarious. He, he was there. But, but also, Anthony, before, you know, you, but, you know, one of the things there, for folks who are tuning in and, and we'll have more conversation about this next week. Um, the global connection summit actually is, is just another place where we made some commitments about, we talked, we had people talking about how we need to keep it in the ground. Right. Um, we had other conversations, you know, and I want to say this, you know, this is important. I, again, I, I want to make sure that folks who are tuning in, this show is going to be a, a special show. In regards to Hurricane Florence, and we definitely want people who are in North Carolina and South Carolina to call in to the show, um, 202-588-0893. That's 202-588-0893 to think 100% the coolest show on climate change. And so I want to make sure we, we can do that. But one of the things that Antonique that I think was important, and we're going to get to this more. I want to make sure we save time for all the folks who are, who are calling in and I want to hear from folks who are on the ground and, we want to have some, just hear what's going on, um, down in this 
hear those stories. But one of the things yeah. that, was, that was important is that, um, you know, a number of things came out of that, but there was some tension. So I don't want to get into that because I want us to be derailed on that, but there was some tension about how fast we move on this. So we're going to have some further conversations about that. But speaking of moving fast, I know that you <laughs> literally went from San Francisco to Las Vegas and were part yeah. of the Great American Road Trip, the electric, uh, as far as the electric vehicles. And, and talk about, talk about that for a minute. You know what? It was another wonderful trip, um, short trip, and I was just there for the day, and I was there. I spoke at this wonderful event. Who also spoke was Michael Bloomberg. I like to call him Mayor Bloomberg because I'm from Jersey, which is right there by New York, and I spent so much time in New York, and I thought he was, you know, he did a great job as mayor, and I let him know that. And um, the head of MGM, Jim Murren, who is, they were both a part of the New American Road Trip um event that we had and it's amazing mgm is very soon um they've already committed to it but very soon they'll be 90 percent clean energy solar powered their entire resort like, okay so space. that means i can go see the the pacquiao mayweather fight and and under, that means exactly some solar lights. i like that <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for that Absolutely. The concerts and the fights and all of that will be so powered. I think that's incredible. And, you know, so the New America Road Trip is an awesome project that is taking an electric vehicle tour across America. They are literally driving two electric vehicles from California to New York in 10 days over this month. It's honestly, it's really wonderful. I got to drive the cars. It was a lot of fun. The New American Road Trip will be highlighting stories of people cities, and emerging technologies that are fulfilling America's pledge on climate change, creating jobs and economic prosperity, all the while reducing climate pollution and ensuring our country's clean energy future. Wow. So I'm really excited about what they're doing. I think it sheds a great light on it, and it's a cool, fun way. Like, we, you know, I, I, I sang a little bit, so I guess that's kind of like the carpool karaoke thing. Um <laughs> It, it was just a really, really nice time. And that's what's up. So do you feel after going through GCash, um, Global Climate Action Summit, and also being a part in now actually so in the in the the E V electric vehicle road trip actually goes to the New York Climate Week, right? Yes. So so yep. so it's like a, a linking of that. But I guess for you, I mean, you know, and, and I just want to make a shout out for you because you also wrote an article on Gris. Um, talking about the need for the artifice. You kind of mentioned it early on. And, and so folks should check out the article that Antonique wrote in Gris. Um, just go check out this, this search Antonique Smith. Um, one of the, the trifectas of the co-hosts for here at Think 100%. And she wrote, and she, and she, she wrote an article that you should definitely read. I think it's important. Oh, and thank you. No, no, no. And this, if you can just give one of the, the bullet points from that, like as well, what what is an artifice? Actually, we ask the basic question. An artifice is somebody who uses their gifts within the arts, whether it's music or in something in film, television. You know, you could be a TV writer, you could be a film director, you could be an actual artist and making sculptures. And somebody who takes that type of you know gift, ability, talent and uses it in conjunction with their activism to, to make content of some sort or, you know, some form of art that speaks the messages or the issues, the solutions of what is going on in what's, what's going on, as Marvin would say. Um, and so, you know, I, I had the pleasure of writing this, this 
this op-ed. And, you know, honestly, I'm urging, I'm urging people to not only support artivists, but I'm urging more people with these talents to be artivists, to use your platform, to not just speak up and not just say stuff in an interview or, or just, you know, make a post on social media, which is dope, important, but actually make special content for that post on social media. Like make some kind of video or something that could go viral. Like we need, we need to get the word out. We need to spread the word because not everybody knows the problems. I mean, we see people dying in Hurricane Florence. We've seen people dying in Katrina, Sandy. We've seen people dying, but we may not connect that to climate change. People might not understand that the mm. wildfires in California and these record heat and and even people in their own neighborhoods living near, you know, power plants or, or oil drilling sites. we got people in California, Los Angeles, and Glamorous Hollywood living 200 feet away from oil drilling sites. And they're getting sick. And people are dying of cancer and asthma. And some of them don't even know that that's what's causing it. Because, of course, you know, there's another industry that would like you to believe that it's just hereditary. But it's not just hereditary. It's definitely being caused by the pollution in the environment. And... People need to know this and not only need to know it for their own sake and their own health, you know, just understanding what may be causing them to be sick, but to help join the movement so that we can fight. Because the more people get together and the more people make noise, you know, we can't stay silent. We have to join together. We have to come together. We have to use our power. We're only powerful together. We're not powerful just one person saying one thing. It has to be all of us collectively fighting against, you know, these people who greedy, pretty much greedy, selfish people who don't who, who don't mind making a bunch of billions off of the lives of people's actual lives. Like human life is so important; it's really all that matters, honestly. And so, you know, joining the movement is fighting for our existence and fighting for our lives. And um, so, yeah, so the article is just encouraging people to to make it cool. You know, if you make some cool, riveting, emotional content that tugs at heartstrings and and Help people understand what's going on, and more people will want to join. More people will want to fight. Well, Anthony, thank you, man. I hope everybody checks out that article. Please go to the Grist and check out Anthony Smith's article. Uh, it is a great, great, great read. So, you know, we thank gonna, you, man. No, no, definitely. So, we're gonna hop right into this this Hurricane Florence uh, part. I just, I do want to just uh, give a few um, shout outs for things that are happening um, as we get ready to get into that one. Um, today, um, cause all of this, you have to vote in this process. And so, yeah. you know, we have a campaign, which is respect my vote. And today we're very fortunate. If you check out Amber Rose's Instagram page and, and other, and her Twitter and all those and her first Facebook, you know, she is leading and that's very important because in this, this movement, we know there is no movement without women. And so it was definitely very powerful for Amber Rose to be with us last year but this year she's leading um on, on her campaign we'll, we'll, we'll have some more talk about that coming up as well um and then also just definitely want to make sure and mention this that 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 thursday um is a day to remember um for puerto rico um because it will have it will be the one-year anniversary for hurricane maria and so um and how it hit puerto rico we know how it hit back throughout many of the islands throughout so We'll have more talk about that following that, but there are, if you just go to think100.info, you can find out some more information about what does, what's happening on that front. But Antonique and Mustafa, I know our lines are filling up 
with some folks, and I want to make sure we can get to everybody for this special Hurricane Florence call. So, Mustafa, who do we have on the line uh, right now? Uh, we have L.A. Winning- Winnington Kamensky, who's on the line. Uh, Winnington, are you there? Yes, yes, I am. Yes, yes, yes. Um, could you share your comment? Sure, sure. Um, thank you again for having me here. As all of you know, right now, Hurricane Florence is battering the North Carolina coast, and one and a half million people have been ordered to evacuate their homes. So we have been involved with rescue efforts here. We've water rescued 200-plus residents. Um, and we try to get them to emergency shelters. We're taking donations, but also in that same vein, we're talking to citizens about the devastation that is happening environmentally um, at the hands of industrial corporations, such as coal ash has flooded into water sources here and has placed our citizens into even more dire um, need and emergency, and the same with some of the hog wastes in the water. So we're also gearing up to help citizens in these shelters think about voting and the next steps of how to fight these fixtures that have been long-term systemic problems in their communities as we are trying to get through this disaster um, that is natural. But it is also man-made because of the devastation that has already been wreaking havoc on North Carolina. So that's where we are, and that's, you know, kind of the climate of what we're in. Well, I, well first, thank you for joining us here on Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change, and definitely yes. you are you are in our prayers, um, and we, we are thinking about all of you in North Carolina, but you said a lot right there. You just said like about four or five things in that <laughs> one statement, where to donate to, what caused the problem. We have environmental justice issues. It, it This this might be natural, but it is still man-made. And you, you, you went down the lines. So I need you to just unpack a few of those things, particularly this. Um, you talked about the pollution and the environmental justice, uh, injustice concerns. Can you kind of talk about that specifically for where you are and how people are dealing with that? Okay, sure. So to kind of give a brief background, when I say kind of the pollution and the environmental injustices that has been wreaking habit, um, especially on populations of color, our black and our brown citizens, um, we are, have dealt with coal ash plants and coal ash spilling into the waterways the hands of big corporations. Um, and we've also seen uh, the hog waste, actual lagoons of chemicals and um, dead hog carcasses going into the waterways. It happened in Hurricane Matthew. This is a systemic problem. This happened mm. in 1999. This happened in 2007 with the next hurricane. And guess what? We're back in the same problem because they haven't cleaned it up. And our citizens are still facing um, asthma, cancer, and now rebuilding homes are going to take how long? We already saw what Hurricane Matthew did to Robinson County and to eastern North Carolina, and we're back in the same situation. So, and, yeah. And, and real quick, for folks who don't know, because I think you know, uh, I, I know you were to see your show, but to give a little background of, 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 of who you are. Oh, yes, I'm so sorry. So my name is Lanicia. Everybody calls me L.A. That's how the community knows me, Whittington Kaminsky. I'm the North Carolina campaigner for Friends of the Earth, an environmental organization, I'm the co-founder of Green Responders. Uh, we're a veteran military group that goes out and actually helps with water rescue. Um, and so, and also a part of the Poor People's Campaign as partners. So um, that's a little bit of who I am and, and how I'm invested in this. And I'm a North Carolina native. So this is near and dear to me because it's my home and it's been my people's home and ancestral land many, many years. Mm. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate all the work that you're doing, especially the focus on our most vulnerable communities who are often forgotten and unseen. 
and and as we know, the ones who are disproportionately impacted in many instances from both these extreme weather events and then also the pollution that is associated with them. So we really, really appreciate you. And um, can is there contact information that we can share with our listeners? Yes, please. If you do want to reach out to me directly for donations or to assist, we're looking for counselors, we're looking for ministers, we're looking for help from the shelter. My number is 919-793-8767. 919-793-8767. Contact me, call or text my direct line since we're in motion right now, but I will send you donation sites, everything you need to know to help us um, as we move forward. We just uh, delivered and a truck yesterday in the belly of the beach, um, just last night to Eastern North Carolina. We still need donations, so please reach out. And, and Elliot, before you go, I actually want to just, this one actually this, cause on, on this show, you're speaking across the country and people are listening and, and tuning in. So, and sometimes where they are, they're in California or they're in Wisconsin or wherever they may be around the world. They may not, they, they may not see the rain. They may not hear, and I can definitely hear your passion. And I, and we're with you here, uh, I think 1%. But what would you want them to know? Like if there's, besides this donating, what would you want them to know? If you can get out a, a couple sentences about what you want them to know about what's going on in your community. Okay. I want to be blunt. We have been going through um, a fight of trying to clean up poison in our communities by the hands of Smithfield Foods and by the hands of Duke Energy. And I'm just going to lay it out the way it is. And when you see us fighting in the media, when you see us fighting on Facebook, when you see us fighting against these corporations that have, and believe me, I can send you the research, please contact me, that have been continuously poisoning us, please support us. Not just prayer, but sign on to those petitions. Sign on to be a voice to say no more to polluting, no more to not cleaning up billions of gallons of lagoon waste that is right beside residents' houses that is causing them asthma and cancer. Stop with the aerosol spraying hog waste over literally town here in eastern North Carolina where people can go outside and feel hog waste being sprayed on land for no reason on their skin. Stand with us. Sign with us. Keep us in your prayers. All right, done. Thank you so much. So we want to thank you. We're going to be with you. Um, Mustafa, I know our lines are lit up here. I just want to make sure you get folk the phone line again. Um, definitely for those who are tuning in from North Carolina and South Carolina. Um, you just had, that was LA down there in Charlotte, but we want to have the number is 202-588-0893. Mustafa, who else do we have on the line coming up next? So we have William Barber, who's about to join us, uh, one of the luminaries there in North Carolina. But we also, um, as he's about to join us, just want to make sure that folks understand the, the, the true impacts that are happening. And if you don't believe in real talk, you might want to change the channel because that's exactly what we're focusing on today. Trillions of gallons of water have fallen so far. And these floods that are, you know, moving through people's communities, moving through their homes uh, is serious business. And we know that at the last count, 31 lives have been lost as well. So now we're going to hear from uh, William Barber. William, are you on the line? Yes, I'm here, my phone. Thank you for having us on. Oh, without a doubt. Thank you for joining us, brother. Uh, can you share a little bit about what's happening there in North Carolina on the ground? Yeah, what we are seeing in North Carolina, you know, what we are seeing with Florence in this moment is 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 really a moment when this work around climate change becomes very real and deeply personal. Um, you know, before we get into it, you know, I do just want to send thoughts and prayers, um, deep thoughts and prayers and, and concern to all of the communities across the state that have been impacted by this storm. 
uh, which is really an unprecedented uh, reality in our state. Um, but beyond that, I want to lift up the extremely uh, deep sentiment of resiliency and community that we've seen in terms of helping uh, the state of North Carolina recover. Uh, but starting where I began, what, what we talk about, the unprecedented intensity and size of a storm such as Florence uh, coming further inland than we've ever seen, you know, this is climate change. When we talk about the slow crawl of this storm, how it lingered over communities and had more time to cause additional cha- damage, you know, that's climate change. You know, when we talk about the increased unpredictability uh, that was seen in this storm's path, you know, beyond the normal margin of error that we were accustomed to. Uh, that this is climate change, you know, and then when we talk about the communities most impacted, uh, rural coastal communities, communities of color and modest income communities that have so long borne the brunt and been the victims of our shortcomings as a society, this is an illustration of the inequitable impact uh, of climate change, and it becomes deeply personal. Uh, you know, when we see extreme weather events like this play out, it is the embodiment of the disproportionate impact which happens as a consequence of unaddressed climate change. Uh, and we've shown, you know, I, I have the chance to serve as ecological devastation chair and also work with the Climate Reality Project. You know, research has shown that climate change events like this manifest in dif- disproportionate ways. You know, it's actually shown that there exists disparate impact in major manifestations of climate change. Uh, everything from the impact of catastrophic weather events like hurricanes and flooding, to what we've just seen recently, to even the increased warming of the planet. You know how hot an area is and whether that increased heat will be dangerous has been linked to both the location uh, and amount of wealth inherited in certain communities. Uh, and low-income individuals, you know, are often bearing the brunt of these events. So what we've seen in, in, in Florence is rural eastern North Carolina, communities which have often been associated as the black belt, uh, as well as the Bible belt historically, uh, have really been hit hard by the coming of this storm. Um, there are now, you know, several recovery efforts being led, uh, organizations on the ground, like I said, deep resiliency being led out of the triangle uh, to stand with and stand for these communities. But, you know, it, it really hammers home hmm. why when we talk about this climate change fight, we have to talk about this disparate impact and the fact that it does not, the consequences of climate change does not affect everyone equally. And so, Brother Bob, let me ask you a question on that though, on, on, on yes. that, on that note, because I think, first of all, thank you. This is, this is Rev. Um, and so, uh, you know, I guess, as you know, I, I, I hear this and for me coming through and Anthony as well, who came through, Superstorm Sandy, I came through my family, literally seeing the effects of Hurricane Katrina and then seeing those things on and on. And then Hurricane Maria and then seeing year after year now Florence and seeing what it does. And you mentioned this is, you know, we know that the issue in North Carolina goes back 30 plus years. We know when people from Reverend Lowry and others were gathering um, and fighting um, back in Warren County, we know that, you know, the, the, the climate movement wasn't always there side by side. We know this, and we, we, we know what could have been if, man, if people would have been putting more emphasis not only on the planet but on the people. So as you're 
you know, with Common Reality and other, and other groups that are large moment to groups. And how do we connect those dots? Because I really feel that, man, we can't come after the fact when people are now gone and sad and they've been swept away. Like it's a game. How do we then hold even ourselves accountable? So it's not a game. We're not just here, you know, playing the environmental climate change game, but we're literally saying to those who are, who are with us in solidarity, listen, our people are dying. We we need to make sure they are informed way before the storm comes so they can be informed about what's happening regarding climate change, environmental concerns, environmental injustice, so that we can say back from Warren County, back from 1992, through Reverend Lowry to Reverend Fauntroy on up, that we can say, listen, we've been engaging our communities for 30 years, not just 30 minutes. So how do you then say to them in your position, like, listen, this is not a new thing. Mm-hmm. But we gotta be, we gotta figure out how we can communicate this thing together. Absolutely. I mean, to fully understand this issue, I think we one have to be students of history. And we have to fully acknowledge as well as hold ourselves accountable as advocates in this, in this movement. Hmm. All that disconnect that has so often existed between EJ communities and the fight for environmental justice and the fight for CJ and climate justice. And we have to be very intentional about bridging that and saying, you know, one, recognizing that the people, when you talk about climate change, the people who suffer the most from the effects of climate change are actually the ones who contribute the least to its causes. Low-income households in the United States consume significantly less energy per capita than high-income households and are therefore responsible for less of the greenhouse gas pollution, which contributes uh, to this reality of climate change in the first place. And so it's a damning, it's a very damning reality when the individuals who are least uh, contributorily negligent to the, the, the issue are the ones who are bearing the brunt of That's our right. lack right. of will That's in terms right. of the issue in the first place. That's the first thing. Yeah. The second thing is that we have to recognize, as we said, that climate change is a multiplier of other social injustices which we are faced with. So when we talk about those same areas uh, of the Warren County, when we talk about the rural communities, when we talk about the communities with high concentrations of communities of color, you know, we must connect the ills that we often see manifest in those realities from from everything from the high concentrations of, of persistent poverty to the low uh, attempts of economic uh, mobility in those areas, uh, the high concentrations of community color to the intentional placement and targeting of these communities for many of the environmental uh, unfriendly aspects. You know, you look at many of the counties that were impacted in North Carolina by Florence. These are the same communities that have been uh, targeted for the placement of this pipeline that we are now dealing with in eastern North Carolina with the Atlantic Coast Pipeline, which we all know, you know, natural gas is not a gateway fuel. It is actually a main contributor to the very reality of climate change that we are dealing with in the first place. So we have to acknowledge all of that. And we have to then have hold ourselves accountable and say that when we look at the individuals who are forced to remain uh, uh, in these scenarios, we have to center them first in our analysis, center them first uh, in, in the solutions that we put forth. So now we're going to. Hey, Veronica, how are you? I'm well. Great. This is Mustafa. You want to sort of share, Veronica, a little bit about what's going on? And, and tell the folks who you are. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Veronica Carter. I'm on the board of directors for the North Carolina Coastal Federation. I'm also on the uh, secretary of DEQ's uh, Environmental Justice and Equity Board. 
And I live in Leland, which now has the uh, notoriety of being in the place Jim Ken and Tory couldn't get out of. Mm. Um, I evacuated. Um, I'm, disclosure. It, um, it was, when I left, it was cate- still going to be a category four storm and 40 inches of rain. And fortunately, um, I have an uncle and aunt who welcomed me in, um, in northwestern Georgia. So I got on the road because I knew someone had to be outside in order to get information inside. And I think my decision was correct. Uh, many, many, many of my friends, uh, the only way they can talk or, or reach the outside world right now is through data. Their cell towers are down. The phone lines are cut. And so I have kind of played the telephone operator, if you will, an information gatherer for them. Some of them just got their power on. Their power went off early Saturday morning. They just got their power on in the middle of hurricanes. They were going out and trying to charge their cell phones in their cars. A lot of flooding. Uh, The town of Leland that I live in is, uh, like Wilmington, is an island. There is no way in or out of it right now. Mm. They had to airdrop. MREs in water to, and they've done um, three different distribution points in Brunswick County, which is the county Leland is in. They've set up three distribution points in Wilmington in New Hanover County, which is right across the Cape Fear River, uh, to get people just basic necessities. The gas stations are that do have power are running out of fuel because if I can't get in, neither can the fuel trucks and all the resuppliers of the supermarkets. Uh, one of my neighbors, I, I texted him yesterday. He said he was in the line with about a hundred people outside of the supermarket. They were letting them in like ten at a time. Mm. And even though he was in line, he knew that they had no ice, no water, and no fresh produce left. Mm. But you know, they were going to get what they could get. So, so, so walk, walk me through. If, if I'm one of your neighbors and you on the outside, and I actually want to talk about about this, about what it means to make a decision to leave. Because a lot of folks couldn't. They couldn't leave that because they didn't want to. Absolutely. They couldn't afford to in they some cases. They didn't have the assets. They didn't have the assets. Um, but mm-hmm. what, what, you said you were the pipe. I like I like that. You So when so if I, if I call you, what what would you tell me? I said, man, uh, uh, I, I, what, what's going on on the outside world? What, what, what would you say? Um, the first thing I did, of course, was I was texting all of my neighbors to make sure they were okay. Mm. And not just my neighbors. I had friends. And I had friends in the situation you were talking talking about that just didn't have the means to leave. You know, I, I offered them to come with me. Um, I have relatives who offered to put some of them up. And uh, some cases they wanted to stay because they had elderly parents who just flat out refused to leave. And, of course, you don't want to be in a situation I'm in right now where something happens, it's over now, you can't get back to them and go check on them. But um, the first thing I did was check on to make sure everybody was okay. It was like I spent probably an hour Saturday morning just texting people, are you okay? Is, you know, is everything okay? And fortunately, praise God, everything was okay for all of my friends. Uh, the next thing was um, I asked, you know, what time the lights went out. They told me in my case, in my neighborhood, about 6 o'clock in the morning. And um, then they were asking, you know, how where's the storm? Because, of course, some of them had radios, some of them didn't. In fact, one of our uh, local radio or television stations ran out of fuel mm. for its generator. So uh, WWAY is now broadcasting only um, online because they can't. They're looking for fuel to try to get their transmitter back up. Wow. So that's how that's how. And they, by the way, they're now in Wilmington, and that's how dire the situation is. And so, in some cases, it was more like, okay, is, is the storm moving at all? You know, what's it doing? And it was forecast to stall, and it did stall, obviously. And uh, 
uh, one of my neighbors who stayed said, if I had to do it over again, there's no way I'd do it. She said, and I quote, her kids told her that, quote, this is the stupidest stunt you two have ever pulled by saying. So um, it, it, it's frightening. But, of course, if you are don't have the means to leave, um, I was trying to convince people who just, you know, maybe for pride didn't want to go with me or anyone else that go to the shelter because my theory was at least at the shelter there'll be emergency management people. There's something happens. There'll be a sheriff's office. There's social workers. There are nurses. You know, there's health provided. And um, at least two of the shelters that I know of, one in Brunswick County and one in New Hanover, had to be evacuated because of water coming in. So well, you know, that, it, it gets bad. No, I, I want to tell you. I want. To, I want to tell you. I'm. I'm. I'm glad that you're. You're safe. I'm glad that you are. Are uh, using your position. Um, now that you, you know, you, you, you know, if, if, if the old saying would go, if, if everybody ain't free, nobody's free. So I like the right. fact that you are, are calling back and checking on all your neighbors and we will definitely keep them in our thoughts. But, you know, you're on the coolest show on climate change and you talking to the I, entire absolutely. nation. And so <laughs> what would you want to tell folks about your community? Or just to like, encourage them to know about what's still happening um, in North Carolina. This is this is going to be something. You know, first of all, it's surreal to see your community on television. You know, places that you hang out and walk, and, and people you know uh, being interviewed, and that that's a little heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to see uh, walk into a supermarket here where I can get things and see signs where they're collecting stuff for my community, and I can't get to my community. Our community has so many environmental issues, environmental justice or injustice issues. You know, we couldn't drink the water in Wilmington before any of this happened because it had a substance that we call Gen X. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bunch of bad compounds that have been dumped into the water by a company that's a spinoff of uh, DuPont called Chemours, which whose plant, by the way, is up in the uh, Fayetteville, Cumberland County area, which is Bladen County, which is also suffering right now from flooding. Uh, up in that area, in a lot of EJ communities, They've discovered uh, high levels of this chemical in wells. They've, it's in our river and in our drinking water. We have been on bottled water for the years. So the fact that we can't get bottled water is really serious because now we have a choice of mm. uh, not drinking any water or drinking water that not only now has Gen X in it, mm-hmm. but uh, we have a problem with something called CAFOs, a concentrated animal feeding operation in Duplin County, which also feeds into the Cape Fear River at points. And these are large uh, pits of hog waste. Uncovered hog waste, and those fields are now inundated with water. So that hog waste is now in our drinking water. Um, you know, we have a coal ash pond uh, at Lake Sutton, which had a breach. Our riverkeeper, Kent Burnett, bless his heart, somehow another got out to the pit to go examine it, and there is definitely a breach and definitely spillage again into uh, the Cape Fear River. Mm-hmm. And so now, besides Gen X, we're worried about uh, hog waste, and uh, um, uh, coal ash and old, just to add things, whenever you have one of these hurricane things, you generally have uh, wastewater that ends up spilling into the system. And they got something, I think, like 2.5 million gallons. I think it's the largest one ever recorded in the area, in the Wilmington area. So um, we will be repairing for years. That's right. Uh, yeah. my, my concern is, um, of course, those who have will repair. Those who have not will try to do what they can and that's where so much will depend on local grassroots groups it'll uh, the state NAACP and its different branches and affiliates are great 
Uh, we will depend on our local NAACP. We will depend on our churches, our network of churches. But um, we just want to make sure that all of our folks, all of the people who can't and don't have, are equally taken care of. Um, one of the advantages of sitting here being able to read all of the posts and know what was going on was we could find out things. I say we because a couple of us are out of the area. But see posts where people, uh, we had a report that some elderly people in a public housing uh, did were without water. One, we wanted to verify it, and two, we wanted to get them some water. And so we were able to contact the police department and say, could you do a welfare check? And, oh, by the way, bring a case of water just in case. Mm-hmm. Because we have good phone connectivity away from the area. I've tried to have phone conversations with a few people in the area, and it was either spotty or the phone calls dropped, or you could barely hear what they were making out. So imagine if you were trying to call someone for help with that kind of reception in the yeah. area. Well, we, so. we, yeah, we definitely appreciate all the work that you're doing there from the outside, trying to keep folks connected. And um, as you said, we've got a lot of work to do to make sure that our communities are no longer sacrifice zones um, before these storms or after the storm. So thank you so much. And we're definitely going to have you you back on the show. So thanks again. Appreciate you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're now going to go to Kim Porter. Kim, are you on the line? Yes, I am. This is Kim Porter with the Poor People's Campaign. Hi, Kim. Welcome to the show. Can you uh, sort of share with us your comment and what's going on? Sure. I'm one of the co-chairs for the ecological devastation in North Carolina for the North Carolina Poor People's Campaign. And uh, what we've seen here in North Carolina is Florence has had a major impact. And part of that is because of climate change and the fact that the Arctic is warming too quickly and changing the jet streams, so it's slowing the weather patterns. And Florence has been very intense and long in duration. And people are suffering. And the people who suffer the most of course, there are uh, poor people, low-income folks, and people of color who usually contribute the least to climate change but suffer because they don't always have the means um, to evacuate. And so what we've seen in North Carolina is a lot of low-income folks who weren't able to evacuate the storm uh, and who've had to be rescued um, and other folks who, who, who maybe could, chose to stay during the storm, but most of the people didn't have a choice. In fact, um, talked with a friend of mine who went door to door. Um, I asked her to call in. I hope she's going to be able to, but she met with 225 people in Lumberton alone and 80% could not evacuate because they didn't have the means to do so. And that's just devastating. And then we look at the fact that Duke Energy, which is the largest corporate utility in the United States and its headquarters is right here in North Carolina, they're contributing to climate change by using a lot of frack gas, methane gas, which is a driver in climate change, uh, just as NASA has seen recently, has said recently. Um, those are the factors, some of the factors that are um, making things even worse than the fact that, like, Wilmington, North Carolina, was cut off from the mainland, um, and people couldn't uh, get out. And then we see things like people uh, at a family dollar in Wilmington who couldn't get supplies, who didn't have a lot of money, and they were in there getting water and other things. And, you know, that's survival. That's survival. That is. And the police were wanting to arrest them and were saying that they were looting. And actually, in this situation, I was really happy to find out that Family Dollar actually said, we don't want these people arrested. 
And I commend them for that because it's a survival situation. People don't know if they're going to live day to day. They don't have supplies. They don't have resources. And the storm has just been devastating, uh, not only down in the eastern part of the state, but also I live in Asheville, and we saw in Black Mountain just 15 miles away uh, where three different trailer parks were evacuated because of flooding up in the mountains. So, you know, it's hit Charlotte. It's hit all over uh, our state, uh, not just the eastern part, but, of course, the eastern part saw the worst and is still seeing the worst part of the storm. Well, Kim, I, I, I want to ask you this this question. This is Rev U, and thank you for tuning in. And for those who are listening, you are tuning in to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. This is our special <laughs> on on hurricane flows. I'm so happy that made you laugh. That, that, made, my, that made my day. Actually, this is the coolest show on climate change, and all that's going on, you chuckle, made me actually feel pretty good about that. So that actually is a... Is a is a good thing that I will, we can bring a little smile to our our dear brothers and sisters down in North Carolina and South Carolina. That's that's what this is this is about. But I know that with you working with the Poor People's Campaign and all that you do, I guess one of the things is that you know is how we fight poverty and pollution at the same time. But one of the things you mentioned is this, and I and I just want to do a quick shout out this this week. Actually, there's going to be a. Uh, HBCU climate conference in, in New Orleans, and I, and I bring that up because tomorrow one who's speaking is Dr. Ben Chavis, mm-hmm. who is part of the Wilmington Ten and many other things in Wilmington. And they, so the, the issues of poverty in Wilmington, the issues of destruction, have been going on for quite some time. So, what are the ways that you think now, moving forward, that we can fight poverty and pollution at the same time? Well, you know, I mentioned Duke Energy. Uh, they, like I said, they're the largest corporate utility in the country. They're contributing to climate change by still utilizing a coal ash plant. We saw in eastern North Carolina where a coal ash uh, uh, lagoon was compromised by the storm. We need to quit fossil fuels altogether. We I know that's right. We need to quit fossil fuels. We don't need to be saying that... Uh, Frack gas, that methane is an alternative or a bridge to anything else. No, it's not. It pollutes uh, our environment. It's wrecking our Earth with uh, with the uh, global warming. And we don't need the Atlantic Coast Pipeline here in North Carolina and in Virginia going down towards South Carolina. So we need to fight back against ACP Pipeline, against the Mountain Valley Pipeline that they're proposing also in North Carolina. We need to fight against fossil fuels. We need to be utilizing solar power with battery backup in North Carolina because that is the viable option with North Carolina Clean Path 2025. Uh, that's a plan to move forward with the solar and battery backup. Wind is great, but right now there's a moratorium on that in North Carolina. I actually work as a community organizer for NC WARN, and that's a climate justice organization. And it's a partner with Poor People's Campaign, and we've worked with ecological devastation. And ncwarn.org, they, we are organizing um, for money to go to frontline communities, straight to the communities. But let's be honest. We need to prevent another atrocity like this from happening. We need to prevent climate chaos altogether. We need to That's eliminate right. fossil fuels and biofuels. And we need to be utilizing solar and wind in general. I know. That's right. Well, look, well I want to thank you for being on and and thank you for what you're doing. So we just want to, we you know, we want to make sure and just definitely applaud yeah. you for your efforts. So, yeah. yeah. And Kim, could, could you, you. Kim, can you share with folks one last time as as we transition to the next caller? How many people couldn't escape? Give them again that percentage that couldn't escape. From what Adrian told me, she went door to door with her sister, two hundred and twenty five homes 
This is just one day when I spoke with her. Okay, she's done much more than that. But in one day, 225 homes in the Lumberton area, she estimated 80% of those residents could not evacuate mm. because they did not have the means. They didn't have transportation or they didn't have the money to do it. And that's an atrocity. And you know what? We need to prevent this from happening again. It's happening all over the world. And there's just no excuse for it. When we can actually drastically reduce you know, the effects of global warming by utilizing your solar, wind, other renewable energy sources. And that's what we need to be doing. It's a moral issue. That's what the Poor People's Campaign says. This is a moral issue, and we have to stop this craziness from happening. We need to, yeah. we need to organize. We need to mobilize. We need to fight back. And we've got people on the front lines, people, community members who've been saving people. Over 900 people in North Carolina have been saved. I think the numbers are much more higher than that. Mm -hmm. And we need, we're looking at, you know, not just organizations that are doing this, Red Cross and other people, but actual community members like my friend Adrian who are on the front line rescuing people in boats, rescuing people going door to door, risking their own lives. But you know what? We know that corporations are helping to make the situation worse. They're listing hog farming, industrial hog farming. We look at the consequences of that, the yep. pollution, hurting our neighbors, hurting a lot of low-income folks, people of color, and the fact that with this storm, we don't even know the effects from That's the right. hog farm. I've heard people say, well, they got some of the hogs out of the way up to higher ground. You know what? We've got to worry about these cesspools. We've That's got to right. worry about the poultry, the agribusiness. We have to worry about the coal ash, like I mentioned earlier. And we don't need to just worry about it. And we need more than thoughts and prayers. Those are great, but we need action and we need action now. We're in a crisis situation and we really need to unite. We need to come together, unite, fight back, and make a difference. Well, we all right. All right. Thank you, Kim. We appreciate you. Uh, we're now going to go to, to, uh, Larry. Larry, are you on the line? I am here. Yes. All right. Well, welcome to the show, Larry. We, we appreciate you. Um, good to be here. Hey, Larry, welcome to Think 1%, the coolest show on climate change. Uh, uh, where are you from? And tell us about, about where you, uh, your situation. I'm in, uh, I'm from, well, I'm in New Bern, North Carolina. I'm not downtown New Bern, so I didn't get hit as bad, but, uh, I am the Crystal Coast waterkeeper with Waterkeeper Alliance and, uh, have been involved in the, uh, the concentrated animal feeding operation, um, work for about 16 years. Um, so do a lot of flying, aerial flying to look at the impact from this, uh, hurricane on the animal industry, which again, we call CAFOs, concentrated animal feeding operation. Hmm. And, and can you share, I think many people might not know about, I heard a little bit about Newburn in, in the news. Can you share why, what's going on there and how that's been devastated? Sure. Newburn is at the, uh, where the Trent river comes into the Noose river. Uh, in eastern North Carolina. And, uh, because of that, it's fairly prone to some flooding issues anyway. But with this storm that came through, pretty much all of downtown Newburn was underwater. Um, you know, we have seen from the air that you have power boats and sailboats actually up some of the streets because they got washed up into the town and were left there. Um, you know, people were, were stranded. There were a lot of rescues that came out of Newburn because of the uh, the amount of water that came into the town. The Newburn, the town itself, um, was not and still is not in all that great a shape. Mm. And when you say that, it's, you got to. I think you, people who are listening from all over the, around the country, 
I think that was a kind of nice part. You might need to kind of explain that a little bit more. When you say not in that great a shape, what, what does that mean? Well, many of, many, if not all of the buildings in, in what we consider downtown Newburn, uh, have some degree of flood damage to it. Um, mm. you know, some could be several feet, some maybe not that much. There are even some of the government buildings were, that were impacted. So when I say Newburn's not in good shape, you know, think about a day or so or more of water in the streets, in the buildings, in people's homes, in the businesses. And it kind of gives you a picture of, of what New Bern looked like. Now, the waters are down as of today. But, you know, as, as your listeners probably know, when you have water in your house, the damage is, is done. Mm-hmm. And so the, the cleanup, the restoration of uh, a very historic town, in North Carolina, Newburn is the second oldest town in North Carolina. And, uh, you know, the, the cleanup, restora- restoration, rebuilding of particularly the, the town of Newburn is, is pretty, it's going to be pretty monumental. There are a number of communities outside of the town that also have the same address, but they're not downtown that were also heavily, uh, impacted. Little area called Riverbend, another place called Fairfield Harbor. Um, you know, just an incredible amount of water that came into these places. So the devastation here that you're hearing about on the news is very real. Um, you know, where the next concern that we have for what's happening here is when this hurricane came on, on shore, it just went further into North Carolina and South Carolina inland. So huge amounts of rain were dropped, uh, pretty much all across the state. So now we have the issue of, of drainage and potential flooding from the water that was upstream. So we're, we're just not sure how much of that is coming our way. But the town of New Bern, and sorry if you're probably hearing a little chainsaw in the background, the town of, of New Bern could be, actually could be in, be threatened again by floodwaters, depending on how much we get. Well, Larry, we're definitely going to keep you in our prayers, and we appreciate you calling in and sharing with the country a little bit about what's happening there in North Carolina. So please keep us updated. Right. We, you know, we keep flying. We uh, keep looking at the area from the air, taking pictures. So we'll just uh, let me know if you need anything else. All righty. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we're now going to go to Allie Sheffield. Allie, are you on the line? I am on the line. Hi, Allie. It's great to hear your voice. Can you share with folks who you are, where you're at, and some of the things that are going on? Well, my name is Allie Sheffield. I'm in Pender County, North Carolina, which is a little bit just the county north of Wilmington. And what's going on is flooding water, water, water everywhere. That's all you can see. I actually evacuated to Durham because we knew the forecast the day before the, the hurricane was that there was going to be 35 inches of rain, which there was. And so I've evacuated to Durham, but I'm doing my with what's going back on back at home. Allie, I, I, I want to give you the, the we're, we're coming to the end of our show here, and I actually want to give you the last word here in this last minute. What would you want people to know about what's going on in North Carolina from your perspective? It's, it's devastated. I mean, it's really devastated. It's sort of biblical. It's almost like Noah and his ark could come along. We're going to really need a lot of help from everybody in this country to get folks back in houses and 
said, and I hope that your listeners will support the good organizations that will be doing that. Well, Allie, thank you so much. And for everyone, our lines are so still full of folks calling in. Please go to think100.info. And we will continue this conversation online and then go and use hashtag. Um, the hashtag is at think 100 show at think 100 show is the Twitter. And then and definitely in the hashtag for that as well as think th- hashtag think 100. But we want to thank everybody for, for tuning in. Mustafa, any last words? We just have to stay focused uh, as so many of the callers have shared with folks around the country today that the impacts that have been happening in North Carolina didn't just start today, but because of our reliance on fossil fuels, it has been turbocharging uh, the atmosphere, causing these uh, extreme weather events to, to be even more devastating. Uh, and, and so we've got to, we got to get our arms around this rev and we've got to stay focused and we can't forget about our most vulnerable communities. And I think on that note, I think we'll turn to our co-host, Anthony Smith and going on that. Thanks for joining us this week on Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change, a hip-hop caucus platform. Let's keep this important dialogue going. Be a part of the conversation by following us on social media at Think 100 Show and at Hip Hop Caucus. Visit our website at think100.info for blog content, information on upcoming events, or to connect with us. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe wherever podcasts are available so you'll never miss an episode. Rate and review us or simply tell a friend. Climate change impacts all of us. And if we think 100%, we can achieve a 100% sustainable and just world together. Think 100, think 100, think 100, think 100.